Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. As always, I want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my fantastic producer, Adam Zalouf, who I could not do the show without Adam. Today's guest is NHRA, National Hot Rod Association, top fuel driver, and he drives for the Leverage Racing Team. He's also the CEO of Right to Breathe, which we will definitely get into as well, and that is Joe Morris. And Joe, thank you so much for being on the show today. Great to be on the show, and and thanks for having me. I'm real excited to uh, spend a little time here. All right, we're looking forward to it, and thank you to Adam Zalou for setting the interview up. He he asked, he told me about you, and I said, uh, of course, let's have him on for sure. We had another race car driver a few weeks ago, and that's Mario Andretti. So uh, you're following a good uh, a good pattern here. <laughs> I I love being surrounded by greatness, and and Mario is one of the all time greats. Uh, I certainly can't live up to that kind of a story, but I do have a, a unique story, and and drag racing is a unique sport to begin with. So. Uh, Thanks. It feels great to be in some amazing company. Well, well, you're adding on to it. Well, let, let's talk about that amazing story. Uh, tell us where you're from and, and, and how old you were. I'm always interested in how old people are when they uh, first found out about what they wanted to do. For me, I can be so specific. It was August 19th, 1973. I knew I wanted to be in professional baseball. Mario, uh, I believe it was September of 1954, he went to his first race in Italy and he knew right then and there that that's what he wanted to be. Uh, when was that time frame for you? You know, it's funny. Um, so I've been around drag racing since before I was born. Um, and, <laughs> and I can say that legitimately. Um, I mean, look, mom and dad's first date was to Island Dragway in New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. Uh, uh, grew up in New Providence. And then we moved to Warren, which is in Somerset County, New Jersey. I live in Flemington, New Jersey now. But the mom and dad's first date was to Island Dragway. Mom, dad was a drag racer. and He would work at the track when he wasn't racing. Mom wound up working in the timing tower. And, uh, and she, even when she was pregnant with me, she was still <laughs> working in the timing tower. So, so literally I, I've been around the sound of race cars since before I was born. And, and I, so there, it's funny, there's not really a particular time. It's just something I've always loved and something I've always wanted to do. So um, it, it's funny. In fact, um, on my NHRA, Joe Morrison, NHRA top field driver, Facebook page, I just posted a picture today of, I was two years old standing up, um, you know, on the seat behind the wheel of my dad's Chevelle wagon race car wow. when I was two years old pretending to drive. So, um, yeah, it's great that that's a lead off question. That was actually what I posted on my social media today. It's, uh, it's just something I've always loved. Now we talked a little bit before the show and you had mentioned, uh, your interest in music. So tell us a little bit about that as well. So it's funny, right? Dad was a drag racer and mom was a musician. And on my mother's side of the family, and my mom plays guitar and sings. My uncles play. My, my grandfather played. And way back, I, my great-grandfather played. I actually have his 1917 C Melody sax. Wow. Uh, but I'm, I'm a guitar player. I play guitar and, and, and uh, keyboards, and I sing. Um, in you know, classic rock and blues. Um, I was in a couple of different original bands, and it's funny. 1994, I was in a band called Jimmy Wilkes and the People. And uh, we were very racially and, uh, and ethnically diverse, which is where the people came from. Uh, you know, African-American bass player, uh, drummer was Japanese, other guitar players of Middle Eastern descent. And, and I'm a Caucasian guy. Right. So we we um, we were Jimmy Wilgus and the people. We were voted by Musician Magazine as one of the 12 best unsigned bands in the country. Wow. And we got real close, really close to a record deal. The problem was. We sounded like Maroon 5 in 1994, and the record companies did not know what to do with us. And, uh, and they couldn't figure out – they couldn't fit us into a box uh, marketing-wise, and so it, it never kind of panned out. Uh, I gave it up, and, and 
show you what low level of IQ I have, right? <laughs> I thought that I could be a rock star and make enough money to go drag racing because part of the story is my dad gave up racing when my brother and I were young because he was a plumber, mom was a nurse, and quite honestly, we couldn't afford it. We still went to the races, and I, I cut neighbors' lawns and, and bought my first go-kart when I was 10 years old. Um, so I always had the bug for driving, go-karts, motorcycles, whatever, and started playing guitar at age five. So kind of surrounded by music and racing. And it's funny, they're like twin sons born from different mothers. They're so <laughs> alike in so many ways, you know, but, uh, uh, but they're, you know, obviously very different, right? Driving sure. a 300-mile-an-hour dragster versus stepping on stage with a guitar, you know, it seems like it's two different things. But it's entertainment. It's art. It's science. It's, uh, it's all of that all blended into one. Yeah, that's, that is a great story. Very interesting. And I told you also before the show um, and, and that we had Mario Andretti uh, on the show a couple weeks ago. And one of the great things about uh, Mario was he drove so many different disciplines, as they say, in the racing business and the racing world. Um, tell us about some of the other disciplines besides drag racing that you've driven or that you might be interested in driving down the road. So, I, you know, it's funny. I've driven a, uh, a lot of different types of drag race cars, and they all, while it's, you know, it's funny, you know, most people think, oh, it's drag racing, right? So you start at the starting line, you drive in a straight line to the finish line, and it's over, and you slow down and turn off the track. And, well, it's way more complex than that, believe it or not. Um, but, uh, and driving different cars requires a different driving style. Um, the shorter wheelbase cars, uh, you know, meaning the distance, right, wheelbase, meaning the distance between the front axle and the rear axle, right? So the, mm -hmm. the shorter the car, the more um, uh, aggressive you have to be with steering. And surprisingly, look, these cars are at the edge of losing traction, and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot going on in a very short period of time. And the precision, the level of precision and the level of attention to detail um, is, is really intense. So um, I've driven a, uh, a type of car called a fuel altered, which is basically an older style car with a, uh, a, a nitro burning supercharged Hemi engine making, you know, 3,500 horsepower. Um, and those cars are violent and hard to drive. Um, they, that was a lot of fun, a car called the, the number 134 fuel coupe. Um, and then I've driven uh, a bunch of older style cars. They, they have a class of racing called nostalgia racing, which is, basically older style cars with newer safety features in them, right. To make them more updated as far as safety is concerned. Uh, but I drove a car for a guy by the name of Rocky Perone, who's done a lot of racing and, and uh, his father was a racer as well. And Rocky's done a lot for the sport. He's had a bunch of, of well-known cars. One of which is a recreation of a car called the frantic Ford, which was a 1970 Mach one Mustang styled funny car. Again, running on that nitromethane fuel. Um, I've had people giving me the nickname Nitro Joe, which is kind of <laughs> funny. But uh, So um, I've also driven a, uh, um, a car in um, a top alcohol dragster with, uh, in the class Injected Nitro, which is a, no supercharger on that car. It's a mechanical fuel injection with uh, running on, again, nitromethane, the Nitro Joe thing, right? Um, and uh, so th those are a few of the different cars. I also through some of the other, the nonprofit work I've done, and we could, we could get to that in a moment. Um, but I had an opportunity to do a uh, celebrity race in Fontana, California in 2014, I think it was 13 or 14, um, where we drove uh, stock cars around the track in Fontana. Um, and that was a whole lot of fun getting to uh, race with um, a bunch of celebrities and drive stock cars uh, and, uh, so what I haven't done yet, but I would, I would really love to, would be to drive a dirt car, like a dirt modified or a sprint car. Uh, but right now I've got my hands full with the top fuel car. And, and uh, you know, so I think, you know, that's pretty much occupying all of my time right now. Plus, I'm working on bringing my nostalgia car back out with, with a 1978 Corvette body on it. So Ooh, that, that's nice. going to be a lot of fun, too. That will be nice. Let me ask you, though, you mentioned driving uh, – against celebrities that's a little dangerous because they're obviously not professional and you do have to trust the other drivers when passing or even not passing but is it a stupid question to say that that was maybe a little more dangerous than driving with professionals oh i, I absolutely it's funny um and, and i'm going to uh 
I'm going to leave out the names in order to potentially protect the guilty. Um, and also because I don't, uh, exactly which guy was doing what I don't remember. So rather than to be inaccurate, I'm just going <laughs> to relate the story. So, um, one of the guys, uh, was, um, there was about five of us in line that were really, um, moving along, let's just say, and we were passing everybody and, uh, and we had kind of passed each other. And then at this point, um, I was, I was fourth in line and then one guy dipped below me and I let him go rather than worry about wrecking the car. <laughs> and, and what we had was one actor and then we had three guys that were like extreme uh, motorcycle sports guys that were, that do stunt drivers. And what the instructor told us was, whatever you do, don't go below the white line because that's where the apron is. And if you go down onto the apron, it's going to spin the car out and you're going to wreck it. And so, you know, again, I figured, well, look, I don't want to wad up this guy's car. So we're going along and, and we're following each other pretty closely. Well, the first guy in line decides he's going to dip down into the apron. So, of course, what happens, he spins the car out. First car goes low. Second car goes high. I'm coming up and I'm watching him slide down the track in front of me and made a split second decision and wound up going high around the outside of him. And, uh, and yeah, it was uh, – it was nutty. So they wound up wrecking two of the cars wound up wrecked and, and uh, the rest of us were, were just fine. But uh, yeah, when you brought up that it was, you know, I I've had, uh, you know, a closer call there than, than I've had in, in most of my drag racing. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. Now the NHRA is one of the oldest organizations, if not the oldest, I believe they've been around for 70, 71 years, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember watching it as, as a kid as well, but tell us a little bit about, the uh, National Hot Rod Association and how far it's come and, and uh, where it's at now. It's amazing. Yes. Started in 1951 uh, by then the editor of Hot Rod Magazine, Wally Parks. And, and Wally initially wanted to start drag racing in order to get people off the street and just really put a stop to street racing and to give racers a, an organized and safe place to race. And uh, he started with what was uh, basically a station wagon and a group of people, called, and they called themselves the Safety Safari, and they, they had gone around the country. And, and, and really, initially, they just started out with one big major race um, that was just called the Nationals. Um, and, and what ended up happening, I mean, obviously, I'm skipping a whole lot in between, but over the years, there, there became more and more Nationals. Till now, um, even with COVID this year, we're scheduled for 22 events this year wow. all across the country from uh, really from, from coast to coast, um, you know, in, in all corners of the country. Um, we typically start in Southern California, but this year we're starting in two and a half weeks in Gainesville, Florida, right? March 12th through 14th. Uh, but yeah, I mean, events everywhere from, from Gainesville, Florida, up to Epping, New Hampshire, and, and points in between Charlotte. Um, uh, Richmond, uh, we, we make stops just a little west of Pennsylvania in, in uh, Reading, PA, um, you know, out Cal you know, California, uh, Pomona, Southern California, Sonoma, up to uh, Seattle. I mean, really all over the country now at this point. And the sport has really grown from just a grassroots organization uh, that most folks don't realize, but, but we're every bit of three quarters the size of NASCAR or even larger. And, and we've been, um, Pre-COVID, we've we've had actually days where the the racetrack sells out and they stop selling tickets because it's to full capacity, um, which is amazing. You know, we've gone from this grassroots organization to seeing, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand fans through a weekend. Um, you know, and and some track and sometimes even more than that. I mean, the Charlotte track will hold fifty thousand, and uh, I was there twice where it sold out. So um, it's really come a long way. Um, it has become more corporate, of course, when you get sponsors involved and then, and then, uh, you know, there are certain obligations that way. And, and, um, some people say that the drivers hold back. I know I can tell you, honestly, I, I uh, I have never once held back for fear of, of, uh, repercussions from a sponsor, but driving for an independent team, I guess I've got a little bit more freedom that way, but, uh, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely grown quite a bit. And, uh, and the great thing about drag racing is who – I don't know anyone who can't relate to to pulling up to a traffic light. That's right. <laughs> and then there's a car next to you. Yeah. And you just 
have that urge to step on the gas to beat him across the intersection at the very least, right? Right, right. And, you know, at its core, it's a little bit of competition, the car next to me, and I want to be faster. There you go. Yeah, everybody has that. I know. And then they wait for that light to go. Yep, I get How fast can you put your foot on the pedal? Right. (laughs) But, uh, okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar at 502 Cabot Avenue in Traffic, Pennsylvania. Call Dom at 412-372-3667. And criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. And my new book is out. It's been out for a while. Lead from the heart up, not the neck up. How to create a positive winning culture on the field and in the office. It's available on my website, ClaudioRelsano.com, Amazon.com, my publisher, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And it's also available at the Barnes & Noble in Robinson Township and the Swickley Penguin Bookstore. We're right back with drag racer <clears throat> Joe Morrison. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Okay, Joe, you mentioned sponsorship. Um, I read somewhere a couple years ago that Michael Andretti's team, I forget how many cars he has, but it's up in the $70, $71 million range to field, you know, uh, like maybe – six cars, seven cars, something like that. It's a crazy, crazy amount. Um, number one, how expensive can ra- racing one car be and how hard is sponsorship right now to get? So it's funny. There's uh, the age old question is how fast do you want to go is answered by, I don't know, how much do you want to spend? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that really was what it comes down to. Uh, racers are their own worst enemy because we are willing to do whatever it takes to get that competitive edge. And oftentimes research and development and spending dollars is where that comes from. So what does it cost to field a a competitive nitro top fuel team? Um, whether that's a fuel funny car or a top fuel dragster like I drive. So in order to understand that, you kind of got to understand a little bit about how this actually happens. I mean, these engines make 11, thousand horsepower um i literally from the starting line right i step my foot when i hit my foot on the throttle it only takes me eight tenths of a second to be going 100 miles an hour and then as the clutch locks up about 200 feet down the track it accelerates harder so all that in mind and how violent these engines are we rebuild the engine after every run I mean, it's not how many miles per gallon. I mean, in, in, you know, start the car, do the burnout, back up, do the run. I go through 16 gallons of nitromethane at about 50 bucks a gallon. Plus, what pistons did we possibly burn up and, right. and what else did we potentially hurt on the run? So with that in mind, 22 races, I mean, look, I, I know teams, some teams spend more than others. And, and, and uh, you know, you can do it on what, you know, you maybe you could call somewhat of a budget, but but truthfully, Ideally, you're looking at three to five million dollars a year um, for a primary sponsorship on a top fuel car. 
for and, and again that's for you know a really a top 10 type team um, to be able to be uh, you know uber competitive that's really where you where you should be in order to uh, to make that happen and and um, the great thing is is with the size of the crowds we have we can justify that I mean really as far as marketing spend for the companies that get involved but uh, but yeah it's you know I know teams that spend you know a hundred thousand a weekend I know other teams that spend uh, almost twice that. What is the biggest win of your career and some of the biggest wins in your, of your career? So kind of a tough thing. I have, I have yet to capture a win in top fuel um, because again, being so new, new in the career, um, I think they'll come. Um, so interesting because I've had some great ones in all the other classes Um so with my own car, um, again, I have a, a nostalgia car that's modeled after a 1948 Fiat Topolino, which is just an interesting thing. It's, it's, uh, it's nothing like you picture it. I'll, I guarantee that. Um, we had in, in 2011, we went to 14 races and won seven of them and won the championship in wow. our division. And, uh, and that, those, the, and out of those seven races, we won the last three in a row to finish the year with three wins. Um, and, and that, those were, those were all spectacular. I mean, we were just on such a roll and then into 2012, we went to 12 races and won six. And so in those two years thir- and, and really 13 final rounds and 13 wins, um, you know, it's like, if we got to the final round, we were, we never lost in a final round in two years. Um, that was really kind of what helped catapult me forward towards going really, you know, semi-pro and now pro. Um, I had, I, you know, I raced at uh, the California hot rod reunion uh, in, in Bakersfield, California. And I got to race against uh, in the fuel altered class, a car called the winged express. And, and the wing is really the most iconic fuel altered of all time. Um, And even though it was just one run against each other, um, we, you know, I've raced him two times, once in 2016 and once in 2018, and, and uh, I've never lost. And so actually having a winning record against the wing, that, that's something that's really cool. Honestly, um, I hate to say it, 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 and it sounds like it, anticlimactic. It's just cool to be in the other lane with one of the most iconic cars of all time. Sure, sure. Um, so those are a couple of highlights. Um, I've uh, In the funny car, I've actually got to match race against former world champion Bruce Larson. Um, and, I, and I beat Bruce a couple times, too. And, and, and those, those wins are fantastic, too. And I, truth be told, Bruce has beaten me as well. So, <laughs> you know, that one kind of has gone both ways. But... Uh, those are probably my favorite wins. Um, really, uh, one of the greatest, though, uh, was with my dad on Father's Day, um, getting the race win on Father's Day and handing him the trophy. Ah. Um, I, I think that's probably the best. The guy who, who gave, gave me his love for racing, you know, shared it with me. The guy who gave up his passion in life in order to raise a family and for me to be able to give it back to him. Nice. Um, that was that was really special. I bet that is. I bet that is. And it's funny you mentioned giving him the trophy. When I was a kid, I saw uh, champion wrestler, probably the in my opinion, the greatest wrestler of all time, Bruno San Martino. Oh yeah. I saw, on TV, they showed his trophy room, and he had all these trophies and plaques and awards and belts. And then they uh, Mario Andretti. When I was a kid again, when he lived at his old house on Victory Lane in Nazareth, they showed his trophy case and now i mean his new home in, in nazareth and uh new home he's been there since i think 98 but anyway he has this unbelievable trophy case so i said one of these days i'm gonna have a room like that and, and thankfully i've been able to to get a few game balls and trophies and plaques or what have you and i i, I just go in that room all the time and i appreciate a lot of those things I can only imagine how many trophies and awards do you have? Do you have them in a room? Do you ever just sit back and look at them and say, I mean, I I say I love them, but I want more. I mean, when you look at your trophies and awards, what do you think? And uh, I'm sure you have a room like that, correct? Well, it's funny. Uh, They're actually actually kind of in storage right now in in the basement. Believe it or not, it's because you got to have a room. uh, You got to have a room. Oh, yeah. 
it's I'm I'm uh, I'm accumulating things to set up a really nice office for myself. So okay. so yes, the room is in the works, and and yes, when I go when I am when I when I have to go down into that particular room downstairs, and I look at them. It's funny. It's I agree exactly with what you said. It's like I have an appreciation for them, and I'm thankful. I'm unbelievably thankful for the opportunities I've had. I mean, really, on paper, I shouldn't be doing this. On paper, there's no way that I should be a top fuel driver right now. And the fact that that I'm here is is uh, those trophies to me represent the hard work and the dedication yes, and yes. sacrifice, right? I mean, I'm sure you know, right? I, I, anyone who's in any kind of professional sports under, understands that there's a tremendous amount of hard work and dedication and sacrifice. And, you know, and not to, see, to interrupt you, Joe, but when they show, yeah. and when Andretti talks about that, he, he, he did an interview and he showed all his trophies and you got to look it up, just punch up, uh, type up on Google or whatever, uh, Andretti's trophy case or whatever. And he said, this represents my work. And when you said that, that's, just what he said it represents my work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's uh listen, and if I could have a quarter of the career that he's had when I'm done, uh I, I will be uh I will be beyond <laughs> beyond thrilled. <laughs> Looks like you're on your way for sure. Now, um let me ask you this. You I also mentioned that you are the CEO of Right to Breathe. Uh tell us a little bit about that. So that really has everything to do with my dad, actually. So like I mentioned earlier, dad gave up racing when my brother and I were young. Uh, fortunately, later on, uh, as I got older, I was able to give that back to him. Um, the challenge came in is, is as I was able to give that back to him, um, and again, it's been through the, the, uh, the trust um, of other people. Um, the car that I, uh, the altered that I referred to, my 48 Fiat Topolino, belonged to a guy named Mike Gillespie who gave me a shot driving the car. That was when I was able to really give racing back to my dad. And that's when he was diagnosed with COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So, so dad worked as a plumber. He worked around a lot of asbestos uh, insulated pipes. Um, and like so many people of his generation also, he, he smoked and, and um, between the combination of those things um, he wound up, in the hospital at one point and uh doctor said yep you got copd uh yep you've got about you've lost about half of your lung function and nope it's not coming back um so i thought it's just a terrible injustice right like this guy worked so hard um and and what he was working around contributed to him getting sick and here he is he's finally able to do what he loves to do but well it's really hard now because of it because of lung disease um, so we got involved with the COPD Foundation at first, um, and uh, they had a program in, in NASCAR called Drive for COPD. Um, that program went away, and I had been building uh, to bring that program program over to drag racing. And uh, and when that program went away, I said, you know, it's just crazy to just stop. And, and so that's when we started Right to Breathe, and we formed it as a 501c3 nonprofit in, in 2014. Um, and, uh, and what we've been doing is we've been doing free lung screenings at race events and automotive events. Uh, we have a, a patient support group, an online patient support group where people can meet virtually, which as you can imagine through COVID became really, uh, a, a, a wonderful service for folks. Right. Um, and, and we, uh, we do several other things as well, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it gave, it gave meaning to my dad's suffering, um, and I'm thankful that uh, that we were able to share, you know, 10 good years racing together from from about 2006 uh, till uh, March of 2016 when he passed away. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, of course, I continue on in his honor. It's a great way to honor his legacy right. um, and honor his memory. And and uh, the, the thing with COPD is if you catch it early, you can slow or stop the progression of it. And so uh, we've been able to help a lot of people on a pathway to diagnosis. We've given them some information and in these free lung screenings, we send them with information for them to take to their doctor and their doctor can take it from there. And we've had plenty of people come back to us and tell us stories of how they caught it early and they're doing great. And, and they've, they've, uh, you know, made adjustments in their life as necessary. And, and some of them are on medications and, 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 uh, exercise regimens and things. And we're changing people's lives, man. And, and, uh, 
That's great. It's a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. You know, again, I, I'm only a part of it. You know, it's all about the team, right? It is. It is. But that, that that's great. And one thing I really, really appreciate, you've mentioned your dad several times and anybody who listens to my show or listens to any interviews that I do, I always mention my mom and dad. As a matter of fact, I end my shows by thanking my parents. And it was 17 years ago last week that my dad passed and my mom passed uh, 32 years ago. She was very young when she passed, but I always, uh, I remember a few years ago, and and this is something that uh, I think you'll like this saying, and I think it, it, connects not only connects with you I, I think you'll you'll like it as i said and i won an award a few years ago and the first thing i said was if you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post you know he didn't get there alone and if it wasn't for my parents i would not be doing any of these things i'm doing any of it any of it and i i kind of think that uh, you may feel the same way about your dad and your parents because you again you talked about them a few times and uh, and i give you credit for for saying those things i i like that but uh, so remember that saying, I, th- I think I think it uh, fits you for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I agree 100 um, percent, you know, really would not be where I'm at without without the guidance of my parents, um, you know. And uh, and of course, listen, I, I'm, I'm not going to leave out the support of my wife. Because oh, of course. To have a, a supportive and understanding wife in in the midst of chasing a professional racing career is uh you either have a, a, a supporting and loving wife or you wind up divorced. So yeah. I'm thankful that I have, I have such an amazing wife. So uh, I tell my yeah, wife all yeah. the time and I tell my daughter yeah. about that, how important my wife is that I can go after all the things that I go after and do all the things that I do just like you do. And you don't have to worry about anything. You know, you can concentrate on what you have to concentrate. And I'm sure you and I seen other instances where that's not the case and um so we're both very lucky uh with that for sure and like you said it does take a team um in my, in my book which i'm going to promote again in a minute <laughs> but i say yeah. if we if we pull the same rope at the same time the same direction for the same purpose we're going to get a great result you know you can't have people pulling in six different directions because if you do you're not getting anywhere you're not going to get anywhere for sure absolutely yeah the the uh, i gotta tell you the um the effect that we've had in the community uh, across the country uh, in the in the you know, people community of people living with COPD, living with asthma, living with pulmonary fibrosis and cystic fibrosis, the, the work that's been done, it is exactly for that because I've been blessed to be, be surrounded by amazing people. Uh, I like to say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud to be the dumbest guy in the room uh, because I'm surrounded by, surrounded by brilliant people doing amazing things. And, and uh, and that's what it's all about, man. That's absolutely it what it's all about. Well, that, that's that's a great story, and I'm glad you're doing all those things. And congratulations to you and your team for sure. But uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break. Uh, to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar at 502 Cabot Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call Dom at 412-372-3667 and criminal defense attorney Eric jackson Lori with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412 412- 963-9308. We'll be right back with the CEO of Right to Breathe and drag star, drag racing star, Joe Morrison. We'll be right back. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout Western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 
502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Okay, Joe, let me ask you kind of a two-part question. I think it's a two-part question. But what if you were a scout, like I scout professional baseball, there's things I look for in a baseball player. If you were a race, a drag racing scout, first of all, if there is there such a thing, but what would you look for? And uh, what makes one driver better than the other? So that it, that is really a, a multi-part question. Right. Um, it's interesting. There, there's there are several things that are absolute necessities. Um, I relating personally, um, machines and I get along. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I can I have this sense like I know when an engine's happy um, by how it sounds, by how it feels. I mean. So great drivers in, in all forms of motorsports have to have that, you know, some, some people refer to it as a seat of the pants feel when you're in the car, you can feel what's happening. Um, and, and really what that is, is that's, that's being able to manage sensory inputs from your ears, from sound, from, from your body, from, from vibration and feeling G forces and from your eyes, right? You have to be able to manage those sensory inputs and, and, and translate that into physical action with, you know, how you're driving the car. Um, so that, you know, that's what makes someone look like a natural, um, but natural ability will only take you so far. So, so having natural ability is great dedication to excellence. And, and that's evident in, in how someone carries themselves. I think um, with drag racing is such a level of precision. Uh, so here's an example. It takes one-tenth of a second to blink your eye. And there are races routinely that are won and lost by less than 10% of a blink of an eye. I mean, I mean if you're thinking, if, you're, if your thinking is wrong, you, you can lose a race because you're not reacting the way you need to react. I mean, it, it's really um, – it's intensely um, selfish in a way because you need to focus on yourself and not your competitor, but, but – uh, so, so things like having that natural ability to drive, having that, that dedication to excellence. And then there's the other part, um, which is interesting. My mechanical ability is a plus, um, but it isn't always the be all end all. Um, but, but anyone who wants to be a professional racer has to understand marketing and understand business. And, and if you, if you have business chops and you can be, a good business person and a great marketer and understand how to communicate and being a, a, uh, a good communicator, those are almost equally as important and sometimes can be more important than even having ability as a driver. Um, I mean, I've seen some people succeed in motorsports who really aren't the best drivers, but, <laughs> but, but they have that dedication to dedication to excellence and they have the ability to communicate and and then they overcome that lack of ability in the driving side. You know, sometimes you know, at, at, at most times they get to at least a certain level. Um, and and I I hope that doesn't sound terrible. I'm not talking no. about my competitors. Um, sure, sure. But it just just from what I've seen, you know. Um, and look, I, I'm not pretending to be the greatest driver of all time either. Um, but I, I do know one thing, and and that's that I am constantly, constantly working at my craft. Um, I only get four seconds at a shot, in, you know, at a run per, in the car. Um, so I do a tremendous amount of mental rehearsal and, uh, and things. Um, it looks like things come to me like second nature and to a certain extent they do, but, but the amount of, of literally hours that I put in, in, in working at my craft, even when I'm away from the racetrack, um, that, that really is a big part of it. So, you know, you're probably I like me. Answers. No, it does. It does. You're probably like me. I never think that I'm good enough. I always feel I can do better. Um, I, I, I've been coaching now since 1983, and I still think, um, again, I can get better. I can know more, uh, even little tiny things. Uh, and that sounds the way you look at it. I mean, if you, if you quit improving, I think everybody passes you up. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's, it's a... 
you know, I, I, I've heard people talk about football as a game of inches. Well, if football yes. is a game of inches, drag racing is a game of millimeters. <laughs> right, I right. Mean, you know, it's it's uh, every everything happens. Um, yeah, look, it, it's the same thing in baseball. I mean, think about the difference between a good hitter and a great hitter. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, it it, it can't be, it can't be that huge in the talent side. It, it but it on the work side, it's got to be enormous. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. And and. Well, let me ask you this, too, since you mentioned that. I've been very critical of the way baseball is being taught, hitting-wise, to be specific. Um, again, I'm 56. I was very lucky to grow up in an era, 70s, 80s, and a piece of the 90s, that uh, it was at its best as far as front office, managers, players, teaching, uh, technique. I, I, I think the even though the pitchers today throw incredibly hard, that's pretty much it. Uh, in my day, they mixed the pitches. They were more pitchers than throwers. But I've been very critical of the way hitting is being taught. Um, is drag racing better now or, say, in the 70s, 80s, or when you first started? So that's, that's an interesting question because if, you, if you're talking about drivers, Driver. Um, yeah, drivers. Not not so much the so, equipment because I'm assuming the equipment's always going to get better improvement with technology. Yeah, there's this there's this interesting thing, right? Because having having been a guy that's driven nostalgic cars, so those nostalgic cars are are modeled after the the cars that were driven in the seventies, right? And and really that was kind of a magic time for drag racing. There was a lot of innovation. And what's happened is with the advances in technology and how cars have gotten so unbelievably fast. Um, again, zero to 100 miles an hour in eight tenths of a second, for God's sakes. It, it's almost unimaginable. Um, so as the technology and the cars have gotten faster and the regulations have necessarily increased and the cars have become more and more the same, then in some respects, it's actually easier now than it was then. Um, you know, back in the seventies, you would have, nothing was done for the driver, so to speak, right? You had to manually shift the car. Well, in a top fuel car, it's a high gear only. I don't even shift gears. I, I step on the throttle and, and manage the car from there more or less. Um, whereas before you may be, um, there are different styles of clutches that were used at that point. Now it's just all one style. Um, you know, there were, there were different you know, kind of transmissions somewhat, um, you know, you were, you were shifting, whether it was putting, pushing buttons on the steering wheel or whether it was actually pulling levers. Um, you know, that was, that was more, the, the drivers were more involved. Now the runs were slower. Um, the cars were a lot slower. Um, but, uh, but there's kind of arguments back and forth that, that guys who, and gals, I don't mean that gender specific because look, we've had female champions since, sure. since 1977 in Shirley Muldowney. Right, right. Um, and, and and that is, you know, honestly, to, to interject that one of the greatest things about our sport um, of drag racing is it is so inclusive. Um, you know, I mean, we we've we've had um, all races and 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 in gender equality we've had from gosh for 40 years. And, um, and older people, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say, but not just 20, yeah. 30, 40, 50 year olds. I mean, 60 and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing that way. And, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm honestly very proud to be a part of, of such a, uh, sure. a welcoming sport. Um, so, but really it back to that original question, it, it has kind of, you know, been talked about that, that it's like, you know, drivers today might not do as well against those guys that were that were really in the heyday of the sport. You know, your big daddy, Don Garlitz, Shirley Muldowney, Connie Kalitta. And Connie's still involved in the sport, so is Don Perdome, Don the Snake Perdome. Um, you know, some of these, these legends in our sport um, that, uh, um, you know, they – it was not – you know what, I'm going faster now, but I think I'm safer in the car than they were then. Um, I, I, you know, and, uh, and truthfully, I have a tremendous amount of respect um, for those those drivers of those generations, because sure. uh, yeah, it was tougher. Honestly, I think it was tougher. Now, do you ever think you're going to try IndyCar, NASCAR, or anything like that? Do you have any interest in maybe giving that a shot? I know, again, 
mention them again. Marco Andretti is going to be trying some different disciplines now. Um, do you think you will ever do something like that? I absolutely would if I had the opportunity and if and, and if uh, there's a way to, to work into that. Sure, I'd love to. I, I love racing. Right. Um, you know, I've got a Harley that I ride. I mean, I, I, I like motorcycles. I like uh, I like all different kinds of race cars. Again, I had fun driving that that uh, that uh, Winston Cup, Winston Cup now, you know, uh, Sprint Cup. I don't even remember what they're calling the NASCAR series now. <laughs> but <laughs> I should know. Isn't that terrible? Right. <laughs> it's not coming to me off the top of my head. But uh, but yeah. So it, what's interesting is Tony Stewart's actually trying some things in drag right. racing. Right. And, uh, so yeah, I would absolutely do it. Um, sure. Listen, if I had a shot to get into an Indy car, I would. I would want to do is like anything i would want to have a great instructor i would want to um to work my way up and and uh and actually learn along the way um and and do it right um in my estimation that's doing it right is is starting you know you gotta crawl before you walk before you run but uh but oh goodness gracious yeah if it's got wheels i'll race it you'll do it now do you plan on racing a long period of time. Do you ever, do you ever see yourself just doing the business end of it? Ownership, uh, uh, you know, again, behind the scenes, what, what do you think? Or you just always want to race? What? So it's interesting. Um, again, I, I'm getting into this at a later stage in life, um, than most people. Right. So I'm 51 and, and I'm really, I'm eligible for rookie of the year this year. I am the <laughs> oldest guy that is eligible for rookie of the year. I don't know that I'm the oldest rookie ever, but uh, uh, probably not. But, uh, but that said, yeah, listen, I want to race professionally for the next 20 years. Uh, John Force is still doing it. And, yeah. and, and John Force is, is uh, certainly 20 years older than I am. Um, and at that point, yeah, would, would I want to stay involved in, in, in be an owner or be involved in the business in some way? Yeah. Listen, I, I um, I've been, been blessed is this is gonna sound funny i've been blessed to to end up having to do what i didn't want to do for a career for a while so so to actually be able to do racing as a career uh yeah i don't i don't want to go back um i'll, I'll be involved one way or another right what's next for you so well it's funny you know what i'm thinking about i'm, I'm thinking about my, what's next for me is gainesville Right. In the March 12th through 14th, <laughs> that's, that's, that's next. next grade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I am, uh, I am so focused. So the, the leverage racing team, um, is a, is an independent team. Uh, they do it for the passion. I mean, some, you know, uh, we're, we're, uh, I mean, these guys, these guys are, are not, uh, wealthy car owners and, I've been blessed to have a, again, I'm lucky to be surrounded by great people. And and what we've been doing is we've been working at improving certain things within the team to improve the competitiveness of the car. Um, We have an amazing team of crew members um, and and our our guys are just fantastic. So Gary and Dan Leverett, um, their dad, Bob, and again, it's a a multi-generational thing. And I love that having Bob there as the patriarch of the team and, uh, and he works on the car too. And then, so we've got uh, we've got Matt Hanley as a crew chief. We've got Mickey Majors and his wife Dina Mashburn, and and uh, and, and Dina works on the car. And she helps with parachutes. She does tires, nitro. Um, you know, they're an amazing couple and, and wonderful people. We've got Todd Dexter on the clutch. Um, we've had my friend Brian Golick doing bottom end, um, but we have an, another guy coming in for bottom end because Brian is going to be racing his own car in Gainesville, and he can't be working on his car and racing his car and helping us. Um, but that's the, that's our core group. Of course, my wife, Jennifer's there helping as well, but, but, uh, and, and some of my kids based on, on, you know, who's available and, and who's got school and who doesn't. But, um, so, so it's, um, so yeah, what's next, right? What's next is we're going to continue to build this amazing team. And, and what we're doing is we're really improving the performance of the car as well as, as how the team gels and works together. Um, and then we're, you know, we're kind of like David and David versus Goliath right now coming up against these big dollar teams. Um, and, uh, and we're all passion and spirit, but we're also, um, we're also working strategically and working with our strengths. So, so what's next? Good question, right? You can March 12th and 14th. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it really is. Um, 
Sure. And then from there, honestly, we're we're planning on ten to twelve races this year, uh, because that's what we can afford at the moment. Um, so so part of my drive right now is looking for those sponsors that will actually be partners with me to uh, to go through the, the the process of going full time in 2022. And uh, so it's it's funny. I don't know if you're familiar with the Disney movie Cars. Sure. Right, but Lightning McQueen, Lightning McQueen had Dynaco, right? That stuck right. with him for all those years. I'm looking for my Dynaco right now. <laughs> so um, we all are. So it's yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's so. Great. I hope that answers the question. It, does, it may not have been does. what you were thinking. No, no, but, uh, no. That's good. That's okay. That's great. <laughs> that's what you said. Um, now, before we get on to the Eric Jackson Lurie Lightning Round, which is fitting for a race car driver, uh, tell us <laughs> where your fans could uh, connect with you, what where they can catch up with you, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Give us all that. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, I told you earlier, my nickname uh, has been Nitro Joe, and the chemical formula for Nitro is CH3NO2. And so uh, my Twitter handle and Instagram is CH3NO2JOE. So CH3NO2JOE. And that's how you find me on Twitter and find me on Instagram. And also, if you put that into Facebook, it pops up as Joe Morrison, NHRA Top Fuel Driver. So love to connect with folks on social media. Um, yes, I do have some help with that, but I actually am on it myself. So I do respond to people personally. Um, you know, I will, uh, here's the thing about drag racing. It's always about the fans, even sure. when we're racing and even when it's about racing, it's always about the fans. And, and some of the thing, one of the things the leverage racing team does best is take good care of the fans. I mean, we actually even let kids sit in the race car. <laughs> we do all kinds of stuff that most of the teams don't do. Uh, on race day so uh so i love meeting new people nhra is all inclusive and and not and it's all access so so what that means is every ticket's a pit pass so if fans come see us at a race somewhere they literally can you know like yeah we have ropes guiding where you know where people can can come up to but we we literally we sit there and we interact with folks i mean uh you know it's like it's like giving fans to the baseball game uh, uh you know access to the dugout right exactly i, mean, I was that's, thinking that's that. what you get in drag racing so uh sure so we love talking with fans meeting new friends all that all that fun stuff that's that's really what it's all about one more time with the twitter twitter because i'm going to follow you ch3 ch3 n o 2 the number two the, the the letter that's the letter two yeah hello <laughs> ch3 the number three n o the number two joe j-o-e so <laughs> sorry right. i'm messing it up as i'm trying to say it that's all right. Got it. Okay, Joe, we're going to do the Eric Jackson Lurie lightning round uh, brought to you by criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. First question, and I kind of have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but your favorite race car driver is? I would pick my dad first. Uh, if it's not dad, it would be Don Perdome. <laughs> all right. Got it. Knew, had to pick dad first, that's for sure. Toughest opponent? Ooh, good question. Um, uh, Steve Torrance. Okay, yeah, I've heard of him for sure. Okay, you know what? Before I ask you the next question, Dan Pastorini had a pretty successful career in drag racing. Um, sure did. Tell me, tell me your thoughts about his career, and did you ever race against him, uh, have any interaction with him? No, I wish I did. Uh, I was I was a huge fan of Dan Pastorini, uh, and especially when he got into drag racing and top fuel, I thought that was the most. I thought that was awesome. Uh, right. No, unfortunately, never got to race against him. I would love to. I thought that gave the sport a little bit of a boost. What do you think? Absolutely, I thought that was great, and and uh, I would love to see um, all kinds of different people try their hand in drag racing. Besides racing, what's your favorite sport? Ooh, I like a lot of different things. Um, oh, you know, uh, kind of a toss-up between baseball and football. I got to be honest. Got to right. be honest. Between baseball and football are my two favorites, besides drag racing. Who do you follow? What What's your favorite baseball team? Favorite football team? So it's funny. Um, I'm one of those odd people um, in the New York area where I am a Mets fan, but I'm also a Giants fan. Typically, it's Mets, Jets. You know, Giants, Yankees, and I've been I've been a Mets fan since as long as I can remember. 
as well as a Giants fan, as long as I can remember. Favorite athlete of all time? Ooh, you know, I've got a lot. Um, and isn't this funny? I'm picking somebody that's neither baseball nor <laughs> football. How about Wayne Gretzky? Sure, sure, yeah. He's not bad. I just said one of his quotes the other day. I missed every shot I never took. One, I missed one hundred percent of the shots I never took. Is exactly that's right. right. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the right, great right. one. All right. Well, I, I pretty well. Let me ask you this again. If you could have one race car driver's career, who would it be? Who one race car driver's career? Uh, to beat John Force. Oh, really? Okay. Winningest driver. Winningest driver of all time. Sixteen championships. Um, longevity, dedication, passion, um, fan favorite. Yeah, I, I, if I if I if I couldn't be Joe, I'd be John Force. Right. All right. Well, Joe, I tell you, this was very very entertaining. I really appreciate your time. I'm so glad Adam connected us. Uh, I know our fans are going to enjoy this interview because you gave a lot of insight, both about professionally and personally, which I really appreciate. And uh, I really thank you for being on. I really do. Thank well, you. Thank you. It, it's an honor to be here. I, I'm I'm so glad that Adam connected us and and uh, just uh, really I'm a, I'm a new fan of your podcast from from having listened and and uh, checked out the other shows and uh, I appreciate that. It's great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and I wish you all the best uh, on the racetrack and off. And I, I know you're going to do great, and I'll definitely be following you for sure. Excellent. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Okay, everyone, uh, as always, want to thank our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, and criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie. I uh, want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my great producer, Adam Zaloof. Uh, listen to our show with past guests, Mario Andretti, Ken Griffey Sr., Pierre LaRouche, Vinny Paz, Roman Gabriel, a bunch of great guys, and today's show is going to be right up there. I really enjoyed listening to Joe Morrison. Uh, we have a lot of great guests coming up, not just in sports, though, too. There's a few people that I'm going to have on that are very inspiring uh, people that have gone through quite a bit of uh, – obstacles in their life, had quite a few obstacles in their life. And we're going to share uh, some time with her. her. name's Carol Graham. And there's some other people that I've been lucky enough to do their shows. And uh, they're going to be on, on our show here. So uh, they'll be great to listen to. Don't forget about my new book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. It's on sale now on my website, ClaudioRelsano.com, Amazon.com, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And it's available at the Barnes and Noble in Robinson Township and the Swiftly Penguin Bookstore. Uh, and you can listen to the show on ClaudioRelsano.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Subscribe to the show. Thank you for all the great emails. I appreciate it. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts like he can't understand what i'm saying it's not just a hearing problem jolie it is a health problem even with a mild hearing loss our risk of dementia doubles with age so let's improve dad's hearing and his health let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding laughter and happy memories serving the dubois area for over 20 years the roscoe hearing care center in dubois punksy and st mary's the hearing solutions you've been looking for call us for an appointment today Day, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call 
Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. <laughs> 